What's up, everybody? This is Pastor David. Are you ready to peel back the layers of a covered up gospel, exposing truth through the uncut, unfiltered, uncovered, transforming word of God? Naked Christianity. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is me, your boy, Pastor David. I am here at the house right now, and I have Ashley with me. Um, We were just here right now. I was up in, in my studio, and she came in and said, hey, what do you think about us just doing an off-the-cuff podcast? So here we are right now about to do a, a, a off-the-cuff, I think that's how you say it, off-the-cuff podcast tonight. And so, man, we want to talk about boundaries tonight. Um, we're sharing one mic, so it will be me talking, pause, and then her talking, so there won't be no interrupting and cutting each other out. Um, but, Ashley, when we think about boundaries, we think about... Um, some healthy boundaries that we need. I think that um, a lot of times in the church, we'll have a lot of talk about things that we shouldn't do or people that we shouldn't be around. Um, But let's talk about some healthy boundaries. I think every either new believer or seasoned believer should have in their life when it comes to friends and family members that aren't necessarily walking and living in the same life, or maybe other believers who are, but may just be crossing some boundaries. What are some boundaries that you you uh, needed to place on yourself, or maybe you didn't at first, but you learned that you had to place on yourself when you first got saved? I would say that um, boundaries that like boundaries from the old person that you were are automatic boundaries that you need to um, place. So old friends, um, friends that are going to lead you into temptation or friends that are not, that are not yoked with the walk of Christ that you're, that you're, um, that you're going in. And I know it's a hard thing to do when you first come into this walk, but I think that it's all it's necessary to realize the damage and set those boundaries immediately. So that could be friends, family, music that you listen to, mm-hmm. um, TV shows that you watch, anything that interferes with, with where you're going would be my initial thought of the, the first boundary. So let me say, uh, okay, so what is like, let's see, what is an example of something like you had to do? Like, okay, you had this wrestle, you had this struggle. Um, we know that if we don't have boundaries, people walk all over us. Um, something that it was draining you, it was exhausting you, it was building resentment, it was pulling you. you know, when Paul tells us to uh, to throw off every weight that slows us down, especially uh, uh, the sin that so easily entangles us. When we think about weights, that's not always sin, but it could be people that are pulling us back and holding us back. So like, what is the situation um, that was like kind of hard for you? Like give a personal example of something that was really hard for you to uh, a boundary that was hard for you to set because it possibly could hurt somebody's feelings. It could cost you an old friendship. You could come off as judgmental. You could come off as you forgot where you came from. Like, is there any specific maybe scenario without mentioning names, of course, um, that maybe you had uh in, in, in your life that you had to learn, man, I got to put this boundary. If not, it's going to take from me, take from me, take from me. Um, is there anything that comes to mind when I say that? Yeah. So um, one of the first boundaries I remember, it was kind of actually easy for me now that I'm looking back because I had this group of friends and they were the whole same group of friends. But uh, when I felt the Lord calling me um, to actually walk with him, 
immediately some friends just started dropping like that was the Lord's work and then some I actually had to distance uh, myself a really good friend that I had that had been there um, for all my all my kids births at the hospital um, but was also very worldly and actually supplied a lot of my worldly needs and so um, I immediately had to set that boundary and I kind of got that backlash like oh you think you're better and um I just I don't know um exactly what I did other than just put the boundary there and choose the Lord over the friendships and I remember just feeling so lonely and just praying like Lord I'm gonna let these people go but I don't want to be lonely like I need you to send people and it wasn't immediately but almost like simultaneously as as I chose him over them, he started bringing people into my life that actually fed me and encouraged me. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's really good. I've had like so many times in in my walk where like I've had to place boundaries on on certain people. And um, if not, you walk around, you you just carry, you know, you carry resentment. You're drained. You're exhausted. It robs from you emotionally, spiritually. Um, a lot of times those people are robbing from you financially. They're people who um, refuse to change, but expect you to continue bailing them out and covering the cost of of, of what it looks looks like to live in a damaged life or a person who refuses to change. So one of the like boundaries that I remember having to set was uh, was boundaries with my own family, you know, my own flesh and blood relatives, because when I got married, um, I was bringing all of their problems to our house and housing my brothers while they were still out using, um, praise God, they're sober today, following Jesus, have built their lives up, but they, and, and, and I realized I was enabling them. And, um, so it got to the, to the point where, you know, my wife wasn't just only having to take care of me as a husband, but she was having to take care of my brothers and wash their clothes and cook and clean up after them and feed them. And, um, and it was just put so much strain on my marriage and I was a newlywed going through all of that and I remember her looking at me saying I refuse to do this again it's either them or me and boy that was an easy one it's like all right you know it's you they gotta go and so then I just started putting you know I put that boundary on them and said listen like I'm not helping you no more and and I started giving them options you know I got places that you can go I got halfway houses I got rehabs I got you know if you really want this you're gonna do everything it takes to get this and so that was a really healthy boundary I placed on myself to help me help my marriage and then it helped them because they couldn't no longer just rely on us and and I think a lot of times we don't place these boundaries up and it not only is hurting us but it's hurting them right like these people have to get to a place where they realize oh snap like nobody's going to bail me out of this anymore I need to I need to turn to God um and then even thinking about going past like even just like uh relationships outside of uh uh from your past right people who aren't walking the way of the lord like um boundaries that are even needed in your christian walk with your christian brothers and sisters right um when i think about those uh there's there's uh even boundaries that need to be in place with people that are around us not only for like their protection but for our protection and so when i think about when I think about you might as well come in now <laughs> when I think about uh boundaries even with um with with believers 
Um, I think a lot of times just because a person is labeled a Christian, we automatically assume that they're going to respect our boundaries. Right. And so you have people that they might they might cross the line. They might joke too much out of love, but not knowing like, hey, I'm, I'm crossing a boundary. You know what I mean? Or get too much into your business and really haven't spent the time and they're not really a voice to speak into your life yet. But they'll cross that boundary and try to check you or maybe not even have the right motives when they do it. But um, I think even even with that, we need to establish what what our boundaries are, not just in um, from people in the world, but even with people around us in, and in the church. Um, are there any things that come to your mind when I talk about, you know, uh, when we talk about boundaries, what are some boundaries like even as a believer you've had to have um, doesn't necessarily have to be with people. It could be like boundaries you've had to place like time at work or, you know, um, just how much time in ministry you're investing. Like what are some healthy boundaries you've had to place in your life to keep yourself spiritually healthy? I think that a lot of times we think that it's selfish to take care of ourselves, but I think that's an automatic boundary. Like if it, obviously there's times when sacrifice is needed, but it can't always be a sacrifice. Otherwise you're, you're constantly pouring from this empty cup. And so I think it's healthy to have uh, boundaries between like you and the Lord's time. I don't Mm -hmm. think that, um, anything should interfere with that. And when you find your place lacking in that, then you need to check where you've put down, where you've let boundaries slide. Um, so I think, I think there needs to be boundaries where you set aside time to devote to the Lord. And I don't think you should feel bad about keeping those boundaries. And then I think that boundaries, um, just in life. And I mean, we live in, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's full of evil. You don't, you don't have to go far to see it. And I think that, um, just boundaries with, with what our eyes see and what our ears listen to are very important. Um, it kind of falls into a category of self-discipline, but I think that, um, we don't, we shouldn't just look at boundaries as people. We should look at, at boundaries as things we allow in our life and, um, things that we allow to, to take root and just take up our time. So, yeah. Um, I, I love that thinking about uh, boundaries I've had to place in my life. And I lived with such guilt every time I didn't answer the phone. So I went through the early years of my ministry where like, man, I'm just trying to be everybody's savior. Um, I'm answering every phone call, responding to every text message. I keep my, my phone on in the middle of the night so it can ring in case somebody's in need. And it got me to this place where I almost lived in constant like anxiety of like, oh, snap. Like if I don't have my phone on, like somebody out there could need me and might die, you know, and it's just this unhealthy place that I got myself in because in my natural desire to reach people and be a person that people could could lean on, I kind of placed myself in like this position of savior. And so like the hardest thing for me to do was to put my phone on silent. And I remember getting to a breaking place in, in my life and my pastor specifically telling me like, you need to turn your phone off. Like you need to have your phone on silent. You don't have to respond to everybody. Do you think God is when you, when you sleep, God can't take over? You know what I mean? And it just hit me and it was like, wow, yeah, I have placed myself in this position of God. And so, man, I keep both of my phones on silent and I check them, you know, I don't, I check them like, you know, every now and then I look at them every 30 minutes or every hour and I respond to what needs to be responded to, but I don't feel the need to constantly be the person to bail everybody out 20 
24 seven. And, um, and, and I realized by the time I get to them and by the time I get to respond 90% of the time, they've either done the work to figure out the problem themselves, right. Or somebody has came alongside them and, and helped out, or they're still an issue and still a need. And I can connect them to somebody, or I have the resources necessarily necessary to help them and to walk with them and guide them. And so, um, I think that was a really healthy boundary that I had to place on myself to say, look, I'm not everybody's savior. So I can't answer everybody's calls all the time, because if I do, it's going to, it's going to rob me because the more you grow in leadership, the more you grow in influence, the more people and more weight you have to carry. And so with the more weight you have to carry, the less you can carry it, you know, consistently, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I can carry more more weight. I just can't carry it as long if that makes any sense. So aside from, um, I think it's a strength to, to give that time. Um, obviously there's some, there's some circumstances that need immediate attention, but giving someone that, that may have not tried to figure out the solution by their self time to figure it out by their self. Like that's a positive because they're growing in, in the waiting and not having that, like, immediate response and and immediate satisfaction of someone giving them the answer they're actually having to seek it so that's that's a good thing but what are some other good things that that you've benefited from from your boundaries from from setting that specific boundary yeah i think um well in 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 saying that like i you while you were talking i kind of hit on on different like thinking about some different things well that one boundary unlocked so much for me because what it did was it helped me to see that i actually wasn't being a good leader by always being that person right because all i was doing was answering needs 24 7 uh picking up the weight of everybody i'm showing up i'm trying to bail people out of this stuff 24 7 but what i wasn't doing was i wasn't teaching people how to solve problems i was only teaching people that i was the answer to the problem and so when i set that boundary boundary, I started teaching people, hey, you can find this problem because a lot of times it's like, you know, um, Lauren will call me with something that she needs done or she can't figure out. And while she's on the phone with me, I'm Googling it to try to figure out the response, you know, and then finally, like, you know, she'll start doing that herself. And so um, I learned like in my in my leadership, like I need to teach people to solve problems like and, 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 and do your research and try to figure out a, a way out instead of always running and asking, you know, one person for the answer. Let's not let's try to figure out an answer yourselves and, and also like start network and start building a network of more people, a support system, so to speak, instead of having all your support on me. Because what happens if I pass away? What happens if I get sick? What happens if, if I'm not around? Um, and so I, I realized I wasn't an effective leader. So that one boundary in itself helped me to grow in my leadership because it helped me to empower other people to be problem solvers for themselves. You know what I mean? Versus always running and relying on somebody else to, to bail you out of the problem. A lot of times we can, we have the ability to get out of the problem ourselves. We just don't know how to, or no, don't know how to push past the problem to begin with, you know? So yeah, I think that one, that one boundary was something that unlocked uh, so much for me right there. What are, what are some, what are some current boundary, like, what are some current boundaries that you have in place? Like, like, like we're, we're, we're a very authentic church. So 
there's not a lot that that goes on. We're very good at showing people realness so that mm-hmm. they walk in that too. But um, how do you feel about or or what would you comment on like? Is there is there a part of your life that that needs a boundary? Like, is there a part part of your personal life that requires a boundary still while walking in authenticity? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I've learned too. Not not everybody can um, not you know as authentic as I can be in my walk. Not everybody can know the me behind the scenes. As far as not everybody's capable of looking past like, wow, he's a, he's a great leader. He's a great pastor. But not everybody can see like, oh snap, he still gets angry when he wakes up and might treat his kids like crap the first thirty minutes until he has his caffeine. Right. So like, only my close circle gets to see like all dimensions of my life and then there's a part of my life that only my wife gets you know um but one of my boundaries as authentic as I am one of my boundaries is if I feel some type of way or I'm aggravated about something I don't post my feelings on Facebook you know I'm not a type of person that I want to Facebook my problems and Facebook my feelings because when I do that I know I'm just looking for sympathy and pity and looking for somebody to feel bad for me and nine times out of ten how I feel in the moment when I'm angry just an hour later of letting the Lord deal with me and walk with me. I don't feel like that anymore. Once it's out there, it's already out there, you know? Um, So that's a boundary for me. If somebody aggravates me and I don't agree with a post on Facebook, I don't comment anymore because I know that's going to pull me into a war with just the other week. Like some guy commented some real pharisaical stuff about, you know, uh, men wearing hats in the church. He's like, man, that's a guy I know. And he's like, man, all these uh, worship leaders on uh, stages with their hats, like there's no reverence for the Lord anymore. We need to pull them off the stage, you know, or some some kind of comment like that. And so I commented. And even though I was right, I said, man, we need to be more concerned about the hearts on the stage than we are the hats on the stage. I knew that was going to cause a huge uproar with a bunch of people and I was going to get pulled into this war. So, you know, it took me about five minutes and nobody still had responded. And I just went and I was obedient to the Lord and I deleted my comment because the motive behind it was I, I, I had this righteous, you know, this righteous zeal, you know, and anger for what I seen, because I know it's not about the hat. It's about the heart. But at the same time, I know that no good is going to come from me making that comment. I'm not going to change anybody's mind. I'm just going to get into an argument. So a boundary I placed on myself was. I'm not posting on social media unless it's something that that's to inspire people or to encourage somebody to deepen their relationship with God. Like that's that's a boundary I place on myself. So I'm hardly ever posting on social media unless I really feel led of the Lord. And um, that's protected me in a lot of ways. And it's kept me sane in a lot of ways, because one comment on one person's post that didn't go didn't sit right with you will cost you hours of going back and forth arguing. And now you're in, in resentment and bitter when I can just hit that unfold follow button and I never got to see that person's post again and they can yeah. still see my content. You know what I mean? So that's a healthy boundary that I've had to place on myself too. That's really good. Um, going back to what you said when we were talking about the like personal life, I remember, um, seeing this or hearing this one day and, uh, it was like a quote and it said, familiarity is fatal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought that was really good because, um, sometimes we can get familiar with someone in their walk and it's like, our eyes just kind of like are blinded and and we see this familiar person and we don't see the anointing on their life. We just see like the flesh for what it is. And so I think that, um, I think it's a good boundary to have. Um, I think it's hard when you walk in authenticity, but I think it's a good boundary to have. And 
I think it's good to like check your heart when you when you when you're when you know that God has placed certain leaders in your life and you start looking at them like differently or like like how could they do this but they're a leader like I think ultimately we need to come to a place of maturity where our our ultimate decision is not walk away from the leadership but to check our own heart to see like what what expectations we've um, set for this person and how our expectations might make a difference in how we're seeing them and not how God would have us see them. Whew, man, that's boy, that's that's a whole freaking sermon right there, man. Um, yeah, I think and I think uh, there's this weight that's put on a leader and a leader feels it, a leader recognizes it, um, especially you know as a pastor or somebody who oversees you know a, a certain flock. There's this there's this weight on you to like. Always get it right. Always be on fire. Always constantly be growing. Um, and people don't realize that we too are human, and like we too have flaws. And there's gonna be days where I don't get it right. There's gonna be days where you know what I'm going through my own stuff, and I haven't picked up the phone and called nobody because right now the people I need to call are people I need to speak into my life because I don't know if I can even keep doing what I'm doing anymore because I'm up against a lot of things nobody knows about, you know. And um, and so that that familiarity where like people get they get this this one view of a person and um there's two sides to it like they can either view a person one way and expect them to stay that way you know what i mean and they get angry when they do change or when they do grow or they do have like you know they start growing in their walk with god and then there's um the one where you know they get so familiar and so comfortable with one type of person that they can't receive anybody else that's outside of that you know or that differs from that and uh, man i can't tell you how many times you know if i was a a sensitive christian I was called sissified Christian. Um, I would have not had my pastor because my pastor busts my head like on the regular, you know, but I need that. I need that in my life. I need somebody who's going to look at me and say, you're getting too comfortable. You know, you're greater than that. Like you, you've handled this wrong in my leadership when I'm going to him with challenges that I'm facing. He never says, oh man, that sucks. You're going through that. He always looks at me and says, well, yeah, of course you're struggling in that area. Everything's built on you or you, you know, you got to learn to do this or learn to do it. And he's always constantly checking me so that I can grow because if I get to a familiar place in myself, like it's easy to stay and remain the same, you know, it's hard to like stretch yourself and grow and learn how to do better. Um, because if I wanted to just remain the same, I'd keep, you know, when I, I don't see a small church, you know, like I want to see a, 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 a strong church and a church that's growing. Like I believe like the Lord's going to have us have multi-site churches, but at the same time, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't want to, to, uh, to grow numerically and not grow spiritually and not grow more in depth of who God has called us to be. Like if we're not effective in making disciples and like storming the kingdom of darkness, then, then I don't want it. So I got to watch myself and make sure I'm not getting too familiar with certain traditions, things that we're doing in the church, certain ways that we've been worshiping, certain ways that we've been doing things on the regular, our systems, our processes. I got to make sure that, Hey, I'm not settling for this and thinking this is how God always wants to do it because it's familiar. It's comfortable. I've learned it. I know how to do it. I've mastered it. You know, like it's easy to do something you've done every single week, the same exact way. And so I think my greatest challenge is making sure I'm not growing too familiar in such a way that, um, that I'm boxing God in and thinking he can't move outside of what I'm familiar to. So I think another side to the familiarity, I hope I'm saying that right. Familiarity. 
whatever. <laughs> um, I think another side I was just thinking of is like sometimes we can get familiar with a move of God mm-hmm. and not have like we see God move and, and it's like we, we lose this like specialness of what God's doing because God's moving a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good that we never get familiar with just seeing God move and seeing the anointing in church and, and seeing the growth in people. I think that's a fire that never needs to dim. And so mm-hmm. I think that whatever whatever boundaries, just, just having a reverence for every time God moves, it's special and not just like, well, God's always going to move. Because if, if, if our heart gets to a place where we just expect God to move because He's moving, but we're not still actively seeking Him, I think that once we get familiar with it, it's like, we don't we don't feel like we have to seek it because it's mm-hmm. just there, and I feel like that's when that's when the anointing kind of weakens because mm-hmm. our heart posture's a little different. Yeah, I th- I think that's good, and that's something I'm learning so much. Like, and you know, we're seeing seeing it in the church. The more and more we're trying to like, okay, God, like, man, what are you trying to do? Like, let's partner with what you're trying to do. And I think God keeps us on our toes like that, right? Like. We can't expect God to move the same way every single service um, for a year in a row. And because, yeah, I mean, it's nice. Come expecting God to move. Right. But don't expect God to move this week how he moved last week, you know, like make room for him to move. And so it's on our toes. We're on our toes now. And we're seeing like, okay, God, well, this week was different than last week. You know, I preached the same message Saturday that I preached on Tuesday, but the anointing was different. I preached it different. Like the Lord gave me extra stuff added to it. I was preaching things that weren't in my notes, you know, like. And so it's, it's, it's things that like we're recognizing. Okay, God, you're doing something different in this season and it's keeping us on our toes and it's keeping us in a place where we're looking for God. What is okay? What is God wanting to do next in this season? And I think that's the greatest thing that that can happen, because with every revival that's ever taken place, the problem is God moved a certain way um, and people wrote that way down as law. That's the only way God is going to move. He's not going to move any other way. But you go back, every revival was different. Different things sparked different movements. You know, uh, some of it had to do with, you know, the holiness movement of like uh, preaching holiness. And then, you know, uh, this Pentecostal movement that came with the baptism of of, of um, the uh, baptism of uh of the spirit people speaking in tongues and and just this pentecost movement of fire just breaking out you know and then you just got some uh revivals that is just all just uh healings and miracles taking place and these revivals have different things that happen led by different people that all started different denominations you know you got you got uh john wesley you got calvin you got uh, martin luther you got all of these different people that had different different beliefs in God. God moved in different ways in their time and in their season. And we can't just look back and say everything that they did and the millions of people that came to Christ because of it was wrong. No, God does new things in, in new days and he keeps us on our toes. And I think that we need to get to a place where we're truly worshiping God and not expecting him to 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 move only in a specific way uh we cling to the truth of god the word of god is our standard for living and it will always be our standard for living but we cannot cling to these man-made traditions and systems and think that god only moves if i have this certain formula of how i have my service every single week if that makes sense you know yeah i think i think that's good i think um i think just partnering with what god is doing 
not partnering, like you said, with what he did yesterday, but partnering with what God's doing daily. And every time he moves, partner with that move and partner with the next move and not limit how we partner based on what what our preferences of how he moves yeah. are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, real quick, before we close out uh, and, uh, and kind of end this, like I like where the last conversation went of just really just talking about what God is doing right now and how it's different, right? And seeking God and looking and trying to see, okay, God, what are you doing next? Like being on our toes and keep that keeping us intentionally looking for God. And we're seeing new things that we haven't seen before and experiencing new things that we haven't experienced before. Um, if you could say in just a few words, um, what you think God is doing right now in this season for the Big C Church as a whole, what would you say it is? I would say that... Um that he that he's bringing revival that he that he's bringing revival whether we want it or not but whether we're part of it or not is dependent on whether we choose him whether we pick up our cross and follow him and um like you said at the beginning lay down every you know sin and weight that that trips us up so that we can run the race because the race is there and um he he's calling us to run um at a, at an accelerated rate than before and i think that at the heart of it, um, that's that's what he's doing, and that um, revival's here, whether whether we're ready or not, and and he's letting us know like the time is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Like the time is now. If there's any words I could put on it, that would be it. That the time is now. That God is, and you said like running the race, and like we're running at an accelerated rate. There's a stride. Um, in this run right now that wasn't there before, um, a special anointing right now in this season that wasn't there before for people who are truly um, seeking to know, God, what is it that you're doing to let me get with what you're doing? And um, people who've been in and they've been in, in the um, background for a long time laboring just with true hearts of servants to serve God and to love people and to reach people. And the Lord is kind of taking those people, place them on the forefront and people who are willing to, to, to step out and, and people who know like that fear is a liar. You know, we're seeing so many people that, you know, would have never picked up microphones, would have never preached, would have never prayed for people that are, they're coming out from these, the backgrounds of where they've been hiding and they're, they're just coming out and they're speaking and realizing, wow, like the anointing of God comes upon me. Like God is using me. And like, it's just this army that God is, 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 is raising up right now. Um, that says, you know what, we're not boxing Jesus in, um, you're not going to tell us how to, how, how to worship God. Tradition isn't going to hold us back. We're going to love the people that are unlovable reach the people that are unreachable and the anointing of God is is going to be on our lives as we do it and um and so it's just this revival that's that's just just rising up um in the unity that's coming into churches and different denominations coming together and churches merging together and it's just the bride unifying and it's just this whole new work that has never been done before and I I keep saying I think it's the last move that we're going to see maybe the last revival we ever see before Christ returns yeah, I would say that that it, that if you're not seeing revival, like what we're speaking of, if you're not seeing that in your church, if you're not seeing a move of God, if you're not seeing things, God shifting things and, and changing things up, then um, I would be worried that you have this this um, this this box of 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 what you think revival is going to look like, what you think the era is going to look like when Jesus returns. Um, and I would I would just say like 
you need to be you need to be seeking God and you need to be coming out of agreement with with how you thought that it was going to be and just praying and seeking him and and praying that that this would hit your church because it's here yeah yeah I, I it would really suck to see the church down the street go through revival and yours is just dry you know what I'm saying I don't want to be that guy and I don't want to miss it I know it I sense it I know it's here I'm not gonna miss it I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure um, I'm recognizing where what in what direction God is moving us and how God is, is gonna move and when he doesn't tell me how he's gonna move I'm gonna be looking for him and willing to allow him to move whatever that looks like and so man I want to encourage y'all out there um, man don't don't miss out on what God is doing right now in this season, um, man, whatever it is that uh, that you're going through right now, um, you could be right now in a, in, a, in a place of just, you know, desperation. You say, man, I don't feel God. I don't hear God. Um, I've been trying to seek God. My prayers are just hitting the ceiling. I want to encourage you um, to just really just drop everything you think you've known and just say, man, you know what, Lord, like I just want in this season of my life to have a deep relationship with you, recognize the things that are distracting you, hindering you and throw off those weights that slow you down, place some health, healthy boundaries on your life and look for God to move. Um, and, and, and he may not move how you think he's going to move and be okay with it. Say, God, I'm okay with whatever it is that you might be wanting to do different. Um, in my life. If you don't have a local church, I want to encourage you to get plugged into a local church. Find somebody, find a church that is fired up, a church that is real, that's authentic, a place where you can walk in and immediately belong, that you're accepted. Um, find a church that will hold you accountable, that will uh, hold to the truth of God and tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. A church that's active in ministry and outreach and is actually doing the work of Jesus and plug yourself in, throw yourself into it. Get Give it everything that you have. And this will be the greatest season that you've ever had in your life. Um, but man, I love y'all. And it was great to be on this podcast. I'm looking forward to doing more. Ashley, you want to say anything else? Okay, she's good. She don't want to say anything else. We will see y'all next time.